Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is your Tuesday edition of the podcast. If you missed yesterday, where I talked through some uh, prospect performances at the end of the Combine with DBs, that was yesterday. Also, a quick explanation, if you're ever wondering what those RAS scorecards mean you see on Twitter, tried to lay out what those are for you as well, if you have not uh, if you have not been certain of that. Otherwise, on the OBR today, we had a busy day. I want to remind you of what is on the website. So you have a forecast from Fred Greetham about defensive backs because it is the week we look at defensive backs with analysis and a look ahead at free agency. So everybody that's into the year on the roster and some free agent names that catch Fred's eye. Then we had a draft Offense uh, offense prospects stock up from the NFL Combine from Corey Kennan, so he looked at guys that boosted their stock. And then obviously we had busy, busy, uh, you know, Browns movement type of things happening today. David Njoku gets tagged, the franchise tag I would imagine is the non-exclusive franchise tag, which will put him at about 10.9 in cap dollars. And again, I want to remind everybody, they will negotiate with Njoku and look for a long-term deal, but they... Um, they will obviously not be guaranteed that anything comes to fruition. There was a report today that they were offering 13 million. I'm going to talk with our guest here in just a bit about this. They could have offered, uh, they, there could be from Njoku's side, a desire for even more up to 15 million, which is absolutely crazy to me, but this is all about negotiating power. But a reminder that just because the franchise tag is offered, there's no long-term deal. It could be a one year uh, situation for Njoku and I think most of us presumed that Njoku's deal would be a one year and then uh, you know maybe get this thing signed out in front of the year for something long term and then Austin Hooper would be a post June 1 cut designation news coming later on but Jeremy Fowler reported today tonight after my interview with our guest that the Browns plan to keep Austin Hooper so I don't know. That could obviously change. I don't know what shakes out. Maybe the Browns also have a plan in place where they sign Njoku and his cap hits happen a little later to justify moving on from Hooper after 2022 uh, before the 2023 season. I don't know. There, There's plenty of ways they could maneuver that to avoid it being nearly $20, $20 million or $19 million of tight end cap hit we'll see what happens there there's a lot of maneuverability the whole picture isn't painted but as we sit here tonight I think most people thought Austin Hooper was going to be out as David Njoku was kind of put forth as the future of the position there are so many things to shake out here and I you know listen I'm not I'm not uh I'm not innocent I, I got pretty bothered on social media about it because I just think Austin Hooper is a version of Harrison Bryant that I think is ascending downward as Brian I think is going upward and I would prefer that they give those snaps to Bryant no matter what because I would like to see Bryant be the guy and while you might say well they play three tight ends anyway well they only played 250 snaps of, of 13 personnel last year while they actually ended up playing a ton more 12 personnel to be exact the 12 personnel number for the year was 
497 13 personnel was 217. So while the Browns were one of the leading 13 personnel teams, they still more than doubled the amount of 12 personnel. And if you keep Bryant off the field because you have 12 personnel and all of those snaps, I hate that. I want Bryant getting those snaps as an ascending player to the contrary of Hooper. And they're not going to give these guys a fair shake. If Hooper's making what he is making and has the reputation that he has, you're not giving them a fair opportunity. Bryant's not winning that role barring something ridiculous happening. And then you have the personality of Hooper, of who he is, you know, as a, as a player of what he thinks he is. So it's like, you know, to me, we'll see what shakes out. I'm not sure what happens. There's still a ton of uh, cat maneuvering that could happen, or they could end up getting rid of Hooper still. I don't know. But what I'm saying is I did not expect it caught me off guard. And uh, again, we'll have this topic with Doug here in just a minute, but, but we didn't actually know this information on, on Hooper until after the episode, or sorry, our interview uh, went live. So other news that came out or other things on the website is that uh, Andy Janovich, the Browns fullback, is not going to be brought back, uh, become a free agent. So we'll see what they do with fullback, if that means they're eliminating the position or if they are uh, ultimately uh, making Johnny Stanton the guy, we'll see. Other little pieces of noteworthy news. Brad Stainbrook had a great note on Jarvis Landry for VIP subscribers. Check that out in Rumor Central. And then Traylon Burks is a significant interest for the Cleveland Browns. It was not a secret at the Combine. We'll see if that persists or if it's a smokescreen or who knows. But our Brad Stainbrook had that piece of information as well. And then Oklahoma at their spring day, or spring game is going to unveil a Heisman Trophy winning statue for Baker Mayfield. So that's kind of cool for Baker Mayfield. That's everything that's on the website. We have a great guest today who I think you will enjoy my time with. We talk about a ton of topics, including Ohio State from several different angles, the wide receiver choices that are there this year, the quarterback that I really enjoy, and then other guys along the draft, back half of the draft that could be of interest to uh, Cleveland or just guys Doug thinks are going to be pretty good. So, um, We'll see, we'll see kind of what shakes out with the Ohio State guys, but I wanted to get Doug's opinion on the tight end room and some of the, those other things. He's at Doug Marie on Twitter, uh, pretty simply. Uh, covers Ohio State and does some work on the Browns for Cleveland.com, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. He does the Buckeye Talk podcast, and he's great. He's smart, and I always want to get with him every couple months to get his opinion on things. So that's today's interview. Let's get over to that interview with Doug right now. Really pumped to any time I can get any of Doug's time. You know, you can read him at cleveland.com and he covers the Browns in Ohio State. And uh, listen, I don't have to introduce him. He's been on this pod many times. He's very, he's very courteous with his time. And I always appreciate that. Doug, welcome to the show. Always great to be back, Jake. Well, we're going to, we're going to pick up right, uh, right off the bat with the news of the day, which is David and Joku. And I think, I think we're, we've been, it's been a weird ride. Let me put it that way. He, he starts his first two years in his, stellar the nice progression you want to see 2019 is injury riddled and weird and he wants out 2020 happens um and he kind of starts to kind of carve a path and then 21 we're expecting much bigger steps and i know the passing game as a whole was a problem in 21 but as far as like five years of a guy this is this is a pretty strange path i think we could both agree on that but the browns have said he's 26 and we believe in him here and it's a big decision, right? It's a big decision for 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 a minimum of ten point nine in his next contract. Were you at all surprised by this decision today, or could you see it coming? I'm not surprised by it. There was a time early on where I wondered, like, well, with what they're still on the hook for with Hooper, would they want to do this? This is potentially a lot of money committed to tight ends right now. But then I also thought, well, you can't 
not keep David Njoku if you like him just because you signed Austin Hooper to big money and Austin Hooper hasn't been great so far, right? You don't want to double down on that mistake because, you know, the Hooper contract doesn't kill them. And to, the thing with Njoku, if, if you know, to do this, it's what is it keeping them from doing otherwise, right? Like, well, if we spend this money on Njoku, then we can't do that. And I don't know what that is because... They sign the guards. They have the tackles. We know they're going to go after some guys at receiver. Um, Nick Chubb's here. Kareem Hunt's here. Like, I don't – they'll re-sign Denzel. Miles is locked up. Like, I just – if it's not going to keep them from doing something else, then if they like him, I get it. Because the thing, Jake, that we haven't seen – we all know Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. But I just – I'm curious what Kevin Stefanski's offense would look like if you had George Kittle, if you had Mark Andrews, if you had a guy like that, it's like, what's their best chance to get that guy? Is it to draft Charlie Kolar, who's a guy that I like in this draft? Is mm-hmm. it draft Trey McBride? And honestly, it might be to have a David and Joku pop in year six, uh, right? I mean, that might be the Browns' best path to a top t- five tight end that changes their offense. Might be this guy. It really might be. So I get not wanting to give up on it. It's a little weird to have a guy who's this been in the league this long and you still think about potential, but he's so young. He's gone through the same changes with the offensive coaching staff that Baker Mayfield's gone through. And I don't think it's crazy to think there still might be a lot more here than we've seen. So I get it. And I'm not smart enough to know, well, if they, let Njoku go, then they could do X, Y, and Z. I'm not, I'm not sure what X, Y, and Z are, is ER. So then I guess keep the guy you think might pop. Yeah. The, the age thing is so interesting that he's just going to turn 26 and it feels like he's been around forever. And, and it sort of feels like we all talk about how difficult it is for, for tight ends to develop. And when you, when you want to give them time to develop, it doesn't, usually feel like this long of a window to develop but here we are and you would just hate to watch him take the development that we saw the last few years and take that somewhere else but the dilemma has been they have continually given Austin Hooper the last two years more targets than David and it's like okay now they make this decision with David does this mean that a post June 1 designation is coming for Austin Hooper do you think we've seen the last of him or do you think there's a route to paying this tight end room 20 plus million dollars of cap space with this you know with these two it's just hard for me to envision but i'm i'm encouraging other opinions on this if you think otherwise i think you could do it for a year right if you feel like you know what let's just we'll give hooper one more year we'll pay him the 11 million we'll do it we know no one's spending more than tight ends than we are we get it it's not a long-term thing but you have to make njoku tight end one right so at the very least now you're going to be paying hooper that much money to be less involved in the offense because you can't pay Njoku like this and commit to him and keep him and not not give him the ball more. So I don't know, right? And I, and a a world where you, you do let Hooper go after June one and spread that money out. And now Harrison Bryant's tight end two, and you draft the tight end in the fourth round. And those are your three tight ends. I think that would work, but you're still eating some money. And again, with the way they are with the cap, I just don't know if it might be like, well, he's not worth it but it's better than eating it. And we think he can give us something. And then if Njoku gets hurt or whatever, you're protected. So I'm not against it totally for one year. And I do, at least it it didn't keep them from keeping the guy they wanted to keep. I just said, keep three times in one sentence. So (laughs) that's right. You can't let, 
and, and I understand the Hooper contract when they signed it because they had Stefanski, they had Mayfield, they had to get a tight end. Turns out he's not worth it. Well, that's okay. It's not killing them. So I I would be okay keeping Hooper one more year because I'm not sure it's worth it to get rid of him. Yeah, the the replacement idea is easy. Or I guess if you if you do let him go, you better have a significant plan in place for going more 12 personnel or 11 personnel at that point because you can't you're not putting I think you could say Bryant is a similar player, but I don't think you're going to just replace that level of player with a draft pick. Even if you've been disappointed in Hooper, which I think we all have, the baseline of Hooper is still a relatively respectable tight end. And it's hard to imagine in this draft class where you're kind of throwing darts at the board. And we'll talk about an Ohio State prospect here in a little bit. It's just it's hard to imagine that guy coming in. And then Steven Carlson's the other one, but you're coming off an ACL injury. So significant ask. The other thing with David I wanted to get your opinion on is there are kind of some rumblings today about 13 million offer from the Browns on the table because, you know, not only do you tag them, but you try to work out a long term deal year. And then there's also some rumblings from the other side of it where people that know his agent, uh, people with, with with us at the OBR, have heard that they're talking like 15 million from David's side. That is I mean, I, listen, I, I'm I'm not the biggest David and Joku fan in the world, and I think the cap is the perfect thing to challenge his uh, ability to get more opportunity and prove his worth. But you're talking 15 million a year. You're past Kittle and Kelsey money. You're resetting the tight end market. And that seems a bit dicey from Cleveland's perspective. So do you sense that they play this thing out on the cap this year, maybe another year, or sorry, on the tag uh, this year, next year, or, or where do you think it goes? Yeah, I, I, I know Mary Kay Cabot thinks that they're going to get something done. The thing okay. that is a little hard is do you pay guys? Like, you know he's not worth that, but do you pay him it anyway? Because what is worth? right? He's not as good as Kelsey and Kittle. The thing that's a little hard for me with Njoku is if you're in a must-win game on third and seven, are you 1,000% comfortable throwing him the ball? Uh, I guess I want to be, but am Mm -hmm. I right now? Maybe not. He's come a long way as a blocker. We know how, what his physical traits are. So that's, that's a little difficult, but it's like, well, you got to keep him. Well, you want him. So then again, I sort of trust that it's like, all right, is 13 million instead of 15 million? Is that $2 million going to make the difference between the Browns winning the Super Bowl or not? Probably not. I trust Barry to manage the cap. But if you overpay everybody on your roster by 2 million, then all of a sudden you are up against the cap and you're blowing money. So um, I understand their desire to keep him. And if that's the number one thing, I guess you do what you got to do. But 15 million, yeah, how, how can you hear not and hear that and not think that's a little high? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's tough. It's tough when you think about resetting the market. And I know you're you're paying for future production and maybe not past, but when you're going to reset the market, you have to have some some top of the line production and it's just not it's not quite been there whether that's David's fault or somebody else's fault that's neither here nor there you got to you got to show you can do that so maybe it's a one year tag if they can't find the right number and they try to work it out next off season i don't know but it's it's hard for me to jump from like okay 11 million at the tag and then okay we're doing 15 million a year and now he's over these names and it just kind of matters but we'll see we'll see how it shakes out so i mean if it's um, if it's chargers game david and joku then 15 yeah. million Let's go, yeah. except he has like one of those games in his career. Yeah. So use him, use him. If you, right, Jake, if you're going to pay him, whatever it is, you got to use him. Yeah. You got to make mm-hmm. him dangerous. You got to do things with him to make other teams pay. And that's going to be on Stefanski's plate. Yeah, don't don't just pay to keep him around, pay to use him the right way. That's a good point. So let's switch to Ohio State, guys, because I think there's a lot of stuff to dig into here. The, the combine has come and gone. We've seen the two big names. I know March 23rd, you'll be on site watching them at their pro day. I think that's right, Doug, March 23rd. That's um, correct. So where are you on these guys? I, I, I think Wilson, I wanted Wilson to be a little better all around tester. Maybe he gets a little better. I think Alave is who he is. He's a burner. He's not going to jump over anybody. Uh, more of a technician, I guess, uh, deep downfield stuff. But like, as you sit here and think about this thing now, closer than we've ever been to the draft, and you've watched them both run, you've seen them both play. Uh, I think the thing that I forgot about going into this cycle is that Alave is only a month older than Wilson. I think a lot of people don't know that because he's a class separation there. But like, did he, w- let me ask you this, Doug, was he in early or was was Wilson in late? I cannot remember. Uh, I don't remember either. Okay. I just know Chris was class of 2018 and Wilson was class of 2019. Okay. But yeah. Uh, I didn't know if Wilson came in like a later class, like he held back a year or something like that when they moved yeah. down to Lake Travis. I wasn't, I wasn't Maybe. sure. Um, what do you like? Who, who's your guy? Who, who of these two do you like? And are you ultimately okay with either of them at 13 or is there a better range for one of them? You would like to see them take that guy. So down? I think Garrett Wilson is the best receiver in the class. Uh, I've been on that for a long time. I think he's, in between like the fast guys and the big guys measured under six feet, little lighter was nine pounds lighter than his Ohio state listed weight came in at 183 compared to 192. I do wonder if he dropped a little weight to try to be super fast at the combine. I thought mm-hmm. four, three, eight for him that he actually ran faster than Alave was good for him. I just think he's, he's got a little bit of everything. I think he's a good route runner. I think he's explosive. I think he can do, go deep, but he can work in the middle of the field. He can, he's played in the slot. He's played outside. And the one thing about Garrett is I just think Garrett is super, super smart, which I think makes him even more appealing to the Browns. I think he's a true number one. I think he can do all that you ask, and he plays bigger than his size. We all say that. He said that himself at the Combine. His hands measured big. His wingspan measured big. So he's under six feet tall, but he plays more like he's 6'2 or 6'3". I just think he's the guy. I just, he's been that from day one. So I'm completely comfortable with him at 13. And I was like on our podcast on the Orange and Brown Talk last week, jokingly saying it, but not jokingly saying it. Like it's good he didn't blow up the combine. If you want him to be a Brown, you don't want him to run 429. You didn't want him to be the most, have the greatest vertical leap in the history of the combine. So like I thought he tested fine, but if he tested too good, he's not going to be there at 13. So I thought he had a good combine for making him a Brown. 
Yeah. You know, and I thought like, well, it measured in a little lighter than I thought. Okay, right. Oh, maybe there's questions. Can he handle the load? All that stuff. Good. Have questions. Get him to 13. Chris Olave is fluid, smooth, deep threat. Take the top off a of defense. When he ran the 426, it was like, oh, my. It changed things. It, yeah. And then 439 is still good, but it's mm-hmm. not, oh, my, good. So mm-hmm. I, and I said this, I thought four for Denzel Ward in that draft was too high. I was like, I think Denzel Ward's like 11, 13, maybe nine, right? I think pick taking him at four is just a little bit of a reach for what he is, a little bit of a smaller corner, right? Mm-hmm. Well, look at Denzel Ward. He's pretty stinking good, right? I don't think anybody's regretting the Browns taking Denzel Ward at four. I think 13 is too high for Olave. I think he's not quite a true number one. I don't think he's quite a everything you want guy. He does. He's just a little slighter, although, again, he weighed more and he's taller than Garrett. But he's a little bit more of a pure deep threat. I'm just not looking at like pure deep threat as much for the Browns because I don't think like I want the number one. I want the do everything guy. So yeah. I'm like super interested in Garrett. But if they took Olave at 13, I wouldn't criticize it because he's a really good route runner. He's very skilled with the ball in the air. I think he would help them. I do have slight questions about is he maybe a little bit more of a number two than a number one, but he also does almost all the things you want a receiver to do. Yeah, with with Olave, that's so well said. He, he the numbers that concern me about him for doing the one number one guy things you're talking about, creating after the catch, it's just not there for him. Now, a large part of it again is that the way he played in college and how Ryan Day used him, it was a matter of catch touchdown. Like that's that's a large part of what it was for him. There weren't a ton of opportunities on like slants or shallows or things that naturally or organically create a bunch of yak yards. But also the missed tackle numbers weren't high at all. And then the, the press coverage numbers were kind of a struggle too. So if you put a guy down in his face at the NFL level, is he going to continually separate vertically down the football field? That's the stuff you have to weigh. It just is where you're picking where you're picking. And I think Garrett Wilson gives you a better chance of that. Not that Chris can't be good in the right situation. It's not going to be an apples for apples situation no matter where these guys go. But it's all about the role and what your expectation is. If Alave goes in as a secondary guy to a big-time receiver, you could watch him flourish and people will be ticked they didn't take him, right? But if if the burden is bigger on a guy, you got to make sure that guy can handle the burden and doing all those things. And I am with you that I think Wilson is the guy. The thing I struggle with, Doug, is I watch these two and I can't stop watching the quarterback. I, I just can't. Like, mm. I think I think C.J. Stroud is a guy, like a real, uh, a real, real, real guy. To the to the point that if things go south with Mayfield and he cannot re- resurrect the situation here, I hope that there's some over analysis of the Ohio State quarterback position we saw with Justin Fields happening with him next year because I think he's the most talented quarterback in the class next year. The feet, the eyes, the way he works, the progressions, the mechanics. There are some things for me I would like to see him do a little bit better. You know, I'd like to see him understand the value of using his legs to extend a drive, play for first downs instead of shot plays down the field. There are some of those things that come with more experience. Also, just some of the quotes, right? I'd like him to, to clean those up a little bit, be a little bit more team-oriented things that you want your quarterback almost robotically to say, I'm sorry, but you, you, you need your guy to say the right things. And I, But I thought he grew so much by the end of the year. Some of the throws in the Rose Bowl were absolutely silly. And I know you and I talked way back when about Haskins and why I didn't like Haskins. We didn't really get a chance to talk about Justin Fields because neither of us were talking about him for Cleveland. So it's like, 
I just want your thoughts on this kid. I mean, we have not talked off air about your thoughts or I've tried to sway you one way or the other. I just think he's really special. And if he came out this year, he would have been the number one quarterback off the board this year. Next year, Bryce Young, serious competition. I'm sure there'll be another riser just like there is every single year. We're not talking about him and they'll jump up. But I mean, Stroud is I'm I'm impressed and I'm really, really watching him tightly for what happens next year. But I want your thoughts watching every game as closely as you have. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love him early on, but I think his best trait is his brain. And I think the things you're talking about, the progressions, understanding defenses, where to put the ball, and then clearly the accuracy once he diagnoses is to put it in the yeah. right place. He clearly had a little bit, and this happens a lot with young guys at Ohio State. Remember, he, as a true freshman, did not throw a pass. So he came into Ohio State in year two, won the starting job, and had never thrown a college pass before. So he went from nothing to uh you know, with one week left in the regular season, he was the Heisman favorite. And if they had beaten Michigan and he played a little better in that game, he might've won the Heisman. Yep. So I think it's, it's an, it's an interesting analysis because he's not super athletic. I don't think mm-hmm. he doesn't really want to use his legs and he's not nearly as athletic as Justin Fields and his arm I th- is clearly good enough, but it's not the best arm. It's not arm first. It's not supreme arm talent, but he is a, he's like a very mature poised, stay calm in the pocket move. Mm -hmm. As you said, the feet in the pocket, sliding away from pressure, stepping up just a little bit to make a throwing lane and then delivering it on time and on target. It was hard this year. And next year will be interesting. He was throwing at Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson, and then some people think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be the best of that lot. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba probably, if I had to guess right now, will might be the number one receiver off the board in the 2023 NFL draft. So there was some, I thought at least it was somewhat legitimate to say, okay, he has such great receivers, and Ryan Day is a pretty darn good play caller. You know, how much is this? Not that it's propping him up, but he's in a really good situation. But he moved beyond that. He did. I thought the first half against Michigan State when he threw six touchdown passes in the first half was as good of a half as I've ever seen, almost seen Ohio State play. There was a half against Clemson, I guess, in 2020 that was probably a little bit better. But that was – he tore Michigan State apart, tore them apart. They were a top 15 team. So the trait's the brain, man. And he'll get some of – he got shaken by social media a little bit. He'll adjust on that. Now, his quotes, I think, will clean up, as you said. He'll get a little more focused, but to see he was so poised and calm and focused and on the attack as a quarterback at the end of year one, what he'll be from the start in year two and to see 12, 13, 14, 15 games of that, I think he has a chance to be the guy that you're talking about, that he'll be the clear number one and people will be talking about, we think this guy can step in and start day one because he understands the quarterback position so well. Ryan Day wants traits, 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 traits. And asking Ryan Day about it, so what's this trait? And the trait's the brain. The guy's got it. The guy really had, and that's what Ryan Day always liked. He's really got a good handle on things. And and obviously, uh, when you combine that with the accuracy, I think he's got a real shot. He is really buttoned up mechanically, man. And the eyes are disciplined and he'll throw people open. He'll throw tight windows. I don't think, like you mentioned earlier, the arm talent stuff. And I talk about this all the time. I don't think he plays quarterback like a shortstop, like we've seen like Mahomes and Josh Allen and some Mm -hmm. of these guys do wild stuff. But he plays in a way that if you're going to play this way, it's almost the way I would like Baker Mayfield to play. So buttoned up mechanically, so sharp processing, the ability to put accurate footballs in tight windows. That's the stuff that makes me like, 
whoo, when I sit back and watch some of the throws and you've seen them and you've broken them yep. down too, it's like that dude is, is, is it. And if he can make these young guys, the Marvin Harrison's, the Bukas of the world, uh, step into those roles and feel comfortable. I think it's all there in front of him. It's all there in front of him to be extremely special. And it speaks to that. Alave was like, I'm coming back and I have no doubt that mm-hmm. this quarterback can handle it. And I think that speaks to something as well. Before we go, I want to ask about these other guys on the board. Uh, Petit Ferrer, uh, you know, some of these guys like, I mean, Jeremy Rucker, Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, Tyreek Smith, they're all going to go. It seemed like last year to me, Pete Werner, even though Pete ended up being the second guy selected, had such a good year that people kind of sleep on some of these Ohio State guys. And I know Jonathan Cooper taking 239 was a great pick for the Broncos. So is there a couple of these guys you really, really like and think are going to transfer into the NFL and, and kind of hit their stride right away? I thought Petit Frere might test better. Good frame, right? Uh, kind mm-hmm. of a skinnier guy when he got to college. Like, didn't run great, didn't test great. I think he'll be a good player. I think Thayer Munford's like one of those guys you draft in the fourth or fifth round and play him at guard, and he starts, and he's a good solid guard that you can find in late rounds. Uh, I think the guy to me, right? Yeah, that that, that I mean, he's he, he. There's so much. He's a four year starter. There's so much film on him. He's not. He wasn't going to do anything at the combine that was going to sway anybody's opinion on him. He's mm-hmm. not the world's greatest athlete. He's a good guard. He yep. can play in the NFL. The guy that I think is the most interesting, especially for the Browns, is Tyreek Smith, Cleveland Heights guy. Battled uh, some injuries at Ohio State. At times this past year, there were games, and for a defense that struggled, but where he was the best defensive player on the field for Ohio State. He's not the Bosa's. He's not Chase Young. He's not quite maybe even, well, I was going to say, maybe not quite Sam Hubbard, who was a third-round pick for the Bengals. That might be what he's like. He's a little like Tyquan Lewis was a second-round pick. Sam Hubbard was a third. I think if the Browns don't go edge in the first two rounds, I think Tyreek Smith with one of the third round picks would be possible because I think there is more upside than he got to show on film because he just had some nagging stuff. This guy was a borderline five-star recruit. Penn State wanted him really badly. Ohio State had to fight to get him. And he's played a lot of football, but he never popped for a whole season. But I think if you get to that like third round edge, guys, I think he's got upside to that. I think he can play the run. I think he's physical. I think he's passionate. Um, I think that's a guy who could actually be a fit here and and maybe give the Browns a little something. It's like a – I don't think he'd be ready to start as a rookie, right, but like a third end, like a, almost like yeah. play a t- attack role kind of thing. Yeah. I think he could be your third end by at least by year two, maybe even right away. Good. Love it. Uh, fun stuff being written about him lately and his desire to play for the Browns because he grew up loving the Browns and you really can't get enough of those yeah. guys because you've gotten so many on the opposite end of the spectrum. So uh, last question. Got to ask it. Who's the next breakout Buckeye in your opinion? Who's a guy in the program ready to go that you think like that guy's going to take over next year? Well, that is a really good question. Um, they have a couple young corners that we are really interested to see. Denzel Burke started as a true mm. freshman last year, started all year, and they have two other corners who were not early enrollees last year like Denzel Burke, but were higher rated recruits and they are going to have opportunity at corner. And by the way, spring practice starts for Ohio state on Tuesday morning. I will be there at eight 30 in the morning watching these opening practices, Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson are the guys, Jordan Hancock, especially they flipped them from Clemson. He's a top 100 recruit. Uh, I think they have a chance to put him on the field and let him go win a job. And I could see them playing two really skilled young second-year corners as their starters this year. Love it. They need better cornerback play. I don't think anybody can deny that. So anyway, Doug, listen, fantastic stuff as usual. Appreciate your time. Listeners, appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, man, always good to catch up. 
Always fun, Jake. Thanks for the invite, man. You're the best. Thanks for listening to today's show. Appreciate your support as always, guys. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, going to get really weird here for the Browns with decisions and things we do or do not disagree with. Uh, I, I'm trying. I guess the Hooper news caught me a little off guard tonight, and I probably overreacted. The picture is not the picture is not painted, so we will see what shakes out uh, with all of that. But thanks to Doug for joining tonight's show. And uh, you know, whenever you're listening to this, this could be a today show for you or tonight. I don't know. Make sure you check out the OVR. We're going to have more content on the defensive back room and combine. Uh, winners and losers especially the defensive side of the ball that's going to show up on the obr today so check that out and we will have our usual dueling mock draft show that is a tuesday night twitch episode join us live if you want we always love the comments and the and all of that stuff to uh, go back and forth on uh, on a live show but at, at the minimum it'll also be in audio form for your next podcast as well so keep your eye out for that appreciate your time have a great day stay safe be well and go browns Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.